Hello, and welcome to another new episode of Queering Daisy. This is your host, Priya. If you love Bollywood or dancing or both, this week is a special episode just for you. This week, I chat with Rohan, the CEO, or as he prefers, the Bali hero of Dunia, a dance-based high-interval training fitness program. In this episode, Rohan shares his love of dancing, everything from his humble Garba Circle beginnings all the way to Dunia. We chat about Bollywood music, remakes, Madhuri Dixit, and everything in between. This is an episode you don't want to miss. Without much further ado, here's Rohan. Hey, Rohan, welcome to Queering Desi. Thanks so much for having me. So you are an amazing dancer. I'm curious, where did your love of dancing begin? So the earliest recollection I think that anyone in our family has is of me being like maybe three years old and um, our hair is Gujarati. So Garba is a thing mm, for us. Mm-hmm. So um, my mom has told me the story about how I would follow her and my cousins around. And I wasn't, obviously I wasn't doing it, but I was just like running behind them oh. in the Garba circle, um, which sounds very real to me. Like that could very much be my, there's no space that I love more than a Garba circle. So like that, that sounds about right. But growing up, uh, dance was, it was something I always connected to. And I think, you know, whether it was through seeing like Iron Gate Thrums, you know, in the Pittsburgh area or being a part of Sunday school and and watching different older kids dance, I was like, there's something really cool about that. And I don't know what it is, but it it very much made me want to dance. But like as a boy, first of all, and as an Indian boy, there weren't really opportunities or places for me to go learn. And also when I was growing up in Pittsburgh, it wasn't like Bollywood had evolved into this style per se that you could go and learn. There was a lot of folk music and dance and whatever, but you know, my family also had a very kind of different background. My parents are divorced. I didn't really end up doing those. My parents or my mom especially very much like pushed me into activities and stuff like that. And while there was a focus on the arts, I played piano, I never stuck with it. I played violin, I never stuck with it. I never had the opportunity to learn dance, but just through observing, I just did it. And it is actually the one thing in my life that I never have had to learn or be formally trained in. But it's the thing that has, you know, now at 31, I'm still doing, which most people would be like, shouldn't you have like hung up your <laughs> your non-existent gunguru? And the answer is no, you can do this for as long as you want, wherever you want, however you want. Yeah, I don't know who's telling you that, but absolutely not. That is like... <laughs> Um, no, that's, that sounds amazing. I mean, it just like it brings back memories of cultural events as a kid when you go and you're just like, this is amazing. All the colors, all the music, all the festiveness, like it's just a different aura completely. Yeah, for sure. How did you go from that and just dancing for fun to Dunia? Well, yeah, I mean, the story is between that and Dunia is kind of long. I think, you know, growing up in Pittsburgh, I mean, I remember there's one very specific memory that I have, you know, our family was not very Bollywood at all. You know, we were very much a part of the Indian community, which is something that I think played a, a big part in my coming out story. Of, but we weren't like, my family listened to very like classic music. Like they listened to the, my uncle who owned uh, the first Indian store in the Tri-State area was always playing like old Bollywood music. So I grew up with that and with, you know, Kishore Kumar songs and Lata Nasha. And that was kind of like, what built my interest, but then also our family had a very religious side. So, you know, I think they would try and steer me away from the Bollywood stuff and be like, listen to this budget, listen to this hymn. And I remember at some family event, this is like now when I think back, I'm like, oh, how did they not know I was gay? 
we were playing some like religious song and like someone was like, Rohan, dance. One, why they asked me to dance to a religious song, I don't know. But there was some song on and they were like, oh, dance, dance, dance. And it was like a very, like, I think it was probably some Radha Krishna song, but I didn't even know at that point. But the movements that I did, I remember that there was one like really intense, like Pumka that came out of nowhere. And I just remember the whole room being like, what the F just happened? That was not appropriate, but like, okay, you're, you're, you can, (laughs) like something's happening. Um, So it was, it was always just something about movement that's, that like got me excited and just pairing that with music, whatever that music was, um, that was really exciting. Growing up though, I like, I, I very much was a part of our Pittsburgh community dance scene, you know, in Sunday school, taking that to different areas in the, in the community, whether that was South Asian or not. But it wasn't really until I got to high school that I started to choreograph. And that's where, you know, I realized that I love creating this and watching it. I don't necessarily need to be the focal point or the dancer or the performer. I love like choreographing and watching it and creating these these stories and mm-hmm. putting them together myself. And then in college, I really had the opportunity to grow as a dancer and lead a bunch of South Asian dance teams. We did a lot of these. This was at the very, not very beginning, but on the East Coast it was definitely newer to do the kind of like storylines, Bollywood dances for not competition. I actually didn't believe in the competition scene necessarily, but in performances instead of just like, this is one Bollywood song, but putting together a whole arc and narrative to mm. it. So I did that in college. Uh, I ran Garba team. I was a part of the Punga team. I created a fusion team and I created a Bollywood team. But I, of course, was like, I'm going to create the all-girl Bollywood dance team and like not be able to participate, but, you know, at least like choreograph. But once I moved to New York after graduating, dance kind of took a backseat and not necessarily in a negative way, just in a, in the normal way that something that's a passion and a hobby takes a backseat as you get your career started. So I took some time not dancing and it sucked. Luckily, I found a community within Salga, the South Asian Lesbian Gay Association in New York, where they were looking to continue to build their dance team. So I got involved with them, which was really the first time that I got to dance with a queer South Asian community. And that to me was a very important part of my time in New York, a part of my just trajectory as a dancer, trajectory as a gay man, being able to fuse all those things into one space was huge. And so that is, and it was also just one of the most amazing community building things that I've been able to be a part of for sure. What was Um, it like? I mean, you, you touched upon it briefly, but I mean, Joining your outness, like with the dancing in this journey that you're talking about, how was that dancing among people that you felt like you could relate to or or that were visible in a way that maybe you hadn't experienced before? It was really, really transformational for me. The way that we came up with dances and choreography was was different than I had ever kind of experienced before. There was an ability to not have to curb my choreography from a sexuality perspective, from a, okay, but you can't do this move because you're a boy perspective. You know, I like, Hmm. you know, I would always choreograph that way, but I never got to dance that way. So being able to find things that felt like they represented us and put them all together into one, one piece. And we ended up, I think twice winning an award for it with and the song, like we just got an award for being like the most colorful or the danciest, whatever, based on those performances. 
And I think for me as a Gujarati kid, like, you know, you always see people doing Pangra and it's like, yeah, it's Pangra, there's so much excitement and whatever around it. The fact that we were able to do that with like a more Garba piece, I think the one that I remember us winning for was like the Ramlila compilation, which also had some Beyonce in it. So it was just like yeah. a very cool way to fuse this whole sort of what I felt like was my identity. And I, I'm very grateful to Salga for being able to do that. And I'm so proud of the people that are continuing to like make the dance scene happen and continue to represent. What do you think your identity kind of gave to your love for dancing and the other way around? Like, how did one fuel the other? It sounds like a lot of this was really intertwined for you. It was. And, you know, I always knew that my love for dance and expression somehow was not the same as what was expected. And for a long time, I didn't realize that had to do with my sexuality, but it did. And when I was in college, my minor was South Asian studies, but I focused that mainly on the intersectionality of dance and masculinity. And, you know, really, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about the balance and the fluidity of gender and sexuality and how that comes out through dance. And for me, I've never felt like I dance like a boy or I dance like a girl. I just feel like I dance. And I feel like, you know, there is no reason to put a label or a stereotype on someone's purest form of movement. There's no way that you can dictate how someone walks or gesticulates. And that is what dance is. It's just a free flowing, it's just movement flowing from your body. So to me, I, I spent a lot of time kind of figuring out how I felt, you know, as a man dancing to stuff that was not necessarily deemed appropriate as a boy and trying and it, it took me a long time to come to a place where I was like, no, this it's not about being a boy or a girl or trans or not, or it's just about being able to be your truest expression of yourself to whatever music moves me. Like if that's really could be take ahead, like go for it. Live. That's amazing. If it's something like Malhari that's like super, super like masculine, like that's fine. All of those things are energy. And whatever energy you connect to, just let it out because that is whatever you're stifling inside is not going to help you get forward. Whatever energy you put out there is what you're going to receive back. So for me, it was spending time looking at that and like doing a lot of research on, you know, what it was like to be a male dancer in India and, you know, what the history of dance is in India. And it's surprisingly, maybe not so surprisingly, but, you know, it's so steeped in male history. And that I think being able to see that dance as a man was accepted in any form also helped me get to the point where I was like, okay, as a man, I can be gay and still be a man and it not be a thing. Who right. who I'm attracted to does not define who I am in the same way the way I dance doesn't define exactly and everything about who I am. No, that's amazing. I mean, that's it's so interesting as you're talking, like I'm hearing a lot of what you internalized, right, earlier about dance, about what it's like to be a man or express your gender in a certain way. Like this culture taught you that, you know, that's not the right thing or that's not okay. So it's kind of amazing that you were able to to find peace with that. And I know it was a journey and it's not easy in any way, but, you know, you to work through that is kind of an amazing feat and quite inspiring, actually. That's very sweet. You know, it is something that I actually was told, though, when I was young. It was like, that's not what you should be doing. Like, it wasn't okay to, like, to be artistic in the way that I wanted to be artistic. There were definitely parameters over what art was acceptable. And like, you know, I gravitated towards Bollywood music and Bollywood, you know, movies 
fairly early on. And, you know, I, I remember my mom saying that there are family members that are saying like, nothing's going to happen for him. He's just going to try and run off into Bollywood and like try and make it, which was never really the case. But mm. like, that was like Bollywood was their sort of, I guess, metaphor almost for, for being gay. It wasn't about like, oh, he's expressive. He was like, oh, he's expressive in the wrong way. And so I took a step back and I intentionally tried not to do things. And I tried not to perform as much in the way that I wanted to. And I like made myself less of a focal point and less of a dancer because of that. And, you know, if I hadn't, and if I had kind of been open to at an earlier age, like being the fullest version of myself, dancing the way exactly I wanted to, then I probably would have taken classes. I would have probably been more trained and I probably would have been a dancer in a much different way than I am now. I don't regret how how life has turned out at all. I've been super supported by my family to do what I want in life. But definitely hearing that at a young age mm. made me stop and do it, but do it like the way that I was supposed to versus the way that I, I really wanted to. Mm. Yeah, I was just going to ask, you touched upon it, but like family, like has that has that evolved, I'm sure by now, but but you know, that journey, what was that like with your family or with the community that were kind of giving you these messages or, you know, or the, where that acceptance didn't feel so possible? Like what has what has that been like now? It's always really interesting because, you know, people always would say, and, you know, you're such a beautiful dancer, you're such a graceful dancer. And I would have people, you know, say those things, but at the same time, they were saying them as a compliment, but then there would always be some follow-up that would be slightly negative or that would have an edge to it that was like, it's so great that you do that, but it's great that you're in school. You know, like there, there was always something that came with it. And I think the the thing that was always really interesting is that people were like, oh, he's a dancer. He's he's dancing, especially being Gujarati and like the Radha Krishna Garba Ras kind of mythology that goes around with that. They're like, oh, he is just little Krishna. He has all the girls dancing around him. It's like, but you don't understand. I want to be a gopi. I just want to dance like them. I don't want <laughs> Why isn't that okay? And and now at this point in life, I can say like, yeah, I'm full out Radha. Like that's fine. I'm probably full out Mirabai, but that's totally. <laughs> but you know, those things were told, and they were it made it more confusing because I was like, I, I know that I can't do this full out the way that I want to, but let me do it however I can and like sort of stay under the radar. But, you know, I also like, you know, dimmed it a little bit because I knew that, you know, internally there's something different and there's something that is not, and I'm using air quotes when I say this, but there's something not normal about this kid. Like what is, what is so, well, everybody else was like in school doing their thing and like going to, whatever club i was just wanting to to dance all day that's just all i wanted to do and you know i know that at an early age i did realize that i was different didn't really know how then as i learned more about gay culture i was like that's probably what it is and because of our family history with like you know our my parents got divorced remarried there was all sorts of stuff we were a relatively high profile family in the community because our family owned this you know this store um whether or not this was reality my perception was i don't want to be another thing that my family has to deal with. And I don't want my truth or my sexuality or whatever to be the thing that is like another, like, oh, look at this family. He's like that because his parents were divorced. He's like that because of this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. I like, you know, I dimmed the the dancing down. I dimmed the, just like my self down in that way so that that wasn't a thing. And I, I, I fooled people for a long enough time. <laughs> Did a pretty good job of it, I would say played the straight player real well. <laughs> Coming from that community that gave you these messages and 
and now building dancing into your life in such a big way. What has the journey been like for your family and your community? And what has the reaction been like to Dunya and just and how dance has evolved in your life and in your identity? Yeah. So I, I think what's really interesting is that this idea of community kind of expands the more the more open you become to the various facets that make up who you are. Um, so for me, you know, when it comes to acceptance of who I am as a human, I think, you know, I've been very fortunate that the people in my life have been very, very accepting to a fault at this point where my mom is like, when am I going to find my son-in-law? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, my family and friends have all been super supportive, whether it's me as a dancer or it's just me as a gay man or me identifying as queer, whatever, um, that have been, you know, super supportive and, and wonderful. What I think is also really interesting, though, is that as you come out in this community, there is then another set of eyes that you have to kind of be there for. Mm-hmm. Um, that is like the queer space. And, you know, one of the things that I found really interesting, especially like, you know, mid to late 20s, now early 30s, there's definitely within our community, this, and when I say our community, I mean like the queer South Asian community, there is still, there's still a lot of norms, heteronormative sort of cultural norms that people do place on you. I, I think I probably have received more sideways glances after saying that, you know, I teach this Bollywood dance fitness class, or I, you know, spent a lot of time just working for a dance company. I think I got more sideways glances and more people were like, oh, well, how do you do that? Queer South Asian space. Because I think there's still a lot of, I think there's still a lot of judgment. I think there's still a lot of of identity issues that we all have to tear down to be accepting not only of each other, but of ourselves. I think, you know, when I talked about some of the reasons that it took me a long time to come out, a lot of that was self-inflicted. A lot of the idea of, you know, even wanting to be a dancer or pursuing that, a lot of my inability to sort of further that myself came from my self, I don't want to say self-hatred, but definitely my, my need to want to fill this sort of stereotype of what it means to be successful or, you know, South Asian or, or seemingly um, making a difference in the world. But what's really been helpful for me is having Bunya and having this community of people who are really just there to express who they are in their truest form. Yeah. So talk a little bit about what that's been like for you now, kind of coming full circle and throwing yourself into dunya, how you've kind of tried to create this space and what you envision it for as like, you you know, your fabulous queer self, but also paying that forward in these spaces. Yeah. So I think everything that I've been through in life, and I didn't realize this until recently, actually, but everything I've sort of been through in life, good, bad, and ugly, beautiful, has all kind of led me to what I hope everyone gets out of a dunya class. So for those people who aren't Familiar, Dunya is a Bollywood dance fitness program. I have a very long history with the company. I started out as an instructor for their choreography. About a year after I came on, they asked me to join their team full time. That time they got a lot of funding and sort of like did a lot of really cool stuff. And I was able to be a part of that and really be a part of growing the brand digitally, as well as our sort of brick and mortar base in New York and just developing what the program looked like. 
I was with them for several years and then I took a break and left to work at Refinery29. And then as things sort of worked out, I was able to then go in and buy the IP of Dunya as the founders were ready to move on and do different things. So now I'm able to kind of take Dunya in the direction that I kind of hope and want it to grow. I have really found that the goal for me in the dunya space is to create a situation where people can come in and connect to what their idea of a Bollywood star is. So I think that that is like very, very different for for everyone. I always start off the class saying, you know, I hope you get two things out of today's class. One is I hope you get like a super stellar workout, which that I can promise will happen if you put even like 5% of <laughs> the class. Um, and then the other side for me is I want people to connect to this archetype of a Bollywood star. I think Bollywood obviously has evolved and is constantly changing, but there is still a classic element of the Bollywood narrative where the world is still over the top and it's big and it has nothing to do with socioeconomic background. It has more to do with the spirit. And I think at the in the process of every Bollywood movie, there is always some characters or some narrative that is talking about going beyond who you are and living up to something bigger, whether that is, you know, son trying to live up to his father's expectation and surpassing that, whether that is dancer trying to make it and then really making it or, you know, whatever that story is or, or the quintessential love story of like, you two aren't supposed to be together, but you get together and it's great. <laughs> so those, those storylines that we kind of were brought up with or brought up seeing when you go a little bit deeper, there's so much more than the glitz and the glam of Bollywood. It's really about embodying that big over the top, how do I live my best life moment throughout all of these stories. So my goal is to help people connect to their version of a Bollywood star. Now for everybody, again, that's different for me. That's like 45% Madhuri, 55% or whatever the balance would be Ranbir Singh because <laughs> that works for me. But for everybody, it's, it's different. Like for some people, they just want to be like, you know, feel like they're in that moment of dancing around trees in the snow and like doing that. There are people who, that's me totally. Uh, yeah. Like, well, that's not true. Um, I've been there. I've seen you. Um, but it, it's, it's about finding that mentality, that energy that you want to embody, not just for that class, but I think we so often as humans are just constantly beaten down, whether you're looking at the political situation or you're looking at, you know, you have to go to work and you have to be at your nine to five or it's familial or it's your partner or whatever. There are all these moments that kind of make us sort of step back and be less brighter versions of ourselves. What I hope happens in this class is that you go in and through this music, through this dance form, through this energy, you are able to live that big over the top best version of yourself. And hopefully the more that you come, the more you're able to make that a part of your subconscious and are able to then take that and live that way in your day to day life. You know, it's it's not about being over the top and like busting out into a dance sequence every five minutes. I mean, I may do that, but that's <laughs> a different. Thing. Really, more about just like how do you go into every situation with the confidence of those Bollywood stars that you kind of looked at, and you know, were very, I at least was very enamored. So it's about finding those and just really getting that energy deep within you. It's it's already there. Like, I think everybody has this, but it's about unleashing it. So when we say, like, our tagline is work out your Bollywood star. Yes, it's work out your Bollywood star, but it's actually like, how do you emotionally work out 
yourself, your own baggage to then let that Bollywood star really out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I having been to like a few classes, I, I think for me with working out, I don't, I don't like working out in front of other people. So that space for me felt like, you know, I can just like let loose and dance like I'm dancing in my living room, but also, oh my God, I'm dying because this is a really intense workout. <laughs> no, that's amazing. I'm so glad that that's, you know, what you were able to get out of it. I think, you know, one of the things that I feel like in part of my journey is I've always struggled with my weight and I am, I am no one's like Ranveer Singh in that department. I can say that with all confidence and with all acceptance that that's not who I am. That's probably never where I'm going to end up being. And that's okay. It's the confidence that we think comes from looking a certain way really does come from the way that you walk and the way that you carry yourself and the countenance that you have of being open and energetic and exciting. So I, I hope that that's what people are able to get. I know that that's what Dunya gave me when I first started. I did lose a lot of weight and got very strong through just working out in the Dunya programs. Like the first year that I did it, I took like every Dunya class I could, which uh, was like probably five a week. And like yeah. I lost, yeah, I lost around 50 pounds, but that was like, I was eating healthy. I was doing it the right way. It all, you know, made sense and was great. But for us, that's not the goal. The goal is really an energetic shift that I think opens you up to everything else that you need to make happen in your life, whether that is like, you know, getting serious about eating healthy, because to be honest, when you're thinking about getting in shape, that's really where it starts. If you're eating, if you're putting the right things in your body, your body is going to support you doing the things that you want to do. So it's about getting to that place energetically and emotionally where like you feel good it doesn't actually matter what you look like or who you are. It's just about, I feel really ready to take on the world. Then everything else will kind of happen and come to you, I think, at least. That's beautiful. And and like I said, I absolutely think that Dunya embodies that. So I definitely encourage our listeners to to take some classes with you. But I also wonder, Rohan, now looking back on this journey for you, what do you think your advice to your younger self would be? Huh. Um, younger self, stay in math class. It will help. <laughs> uh, that would be number one. Number two is if there's something that you want or your gut is telling you that that's what you're meant to do, do it. There's absolutely no reason to wait. If it's something that you're not successful in, that's okay. You will have so much learning to take you through the next iteration of who you are and what you want to do that you will automatically be 10 steps ahead of where you started. If it is successful, that's great. Stay humble and keep making cool things happen because you did it. So I, I think it's really listen to your gut. You know, people can give you all the advice that they want. But, you know, I say this when, when I'm teaching a class, like I can't feel your body. I can't feel what you're going through. I can't. And that I think that's true emotionally, too. Like I, if when I say that, when I'm like, does someone need to push themselves harder in a fitness perspective? Does someone need to slow it down from a fitness perspective? I can't tell. Only you can tell. So there are going to be lots of outside factors who will tell you stuff. And I think especially in our culture, we're inundated with people being like, this is right. That's right. This is wrong. This is not what you should do. This is 100 percent what you should do. But no one knows what's right for you except for you. So really just let your guts lead because that is not going to take you wrong. And at the end of the day, you always will have yourself to support you. That's really great advice. I mean, I God, I wish I could tell my younger self that too. What do you think young Rohan would have taken away from that? What gut feeling should young Rohan have listened to, you think? You know, it's funny because the same thing that I would have done then, I probably would do now. But when I was young, I didn't have the opportunity to learn dance the way that I wanted to. 
whether that was situational or like people being like, no, I just didn't, it, the opportunity wasn't there for me. I've always wanted to study Kathak. I've always wanted to be the kid with the Gunguru, like walking around that may or may not happen in my apartment without the training. That's okay. <laughs> um, but it's really, I, that's what I would have probably done more. And I would have pursued dance in a more serious way. I can only think that like, at this point, I've done what I have with dance, with which, to be honest, to say that you are able to be part of a company that is, you know, financially getting to a viable place and is based in South Asian dance, living in New York or America or whatever, that's pretty cool. Yeah. If I had training to do that and I had more of a, I say proper with quotes, but like a proper dance background or dance training, who knows where I would have been able to take that from a talent perspective. Right now, I don't necessarily have the talent, but I have the drive and I just want to make things happen. So I, whatever, whatever I don't have from a talent perspective, I will make up for with energy and with uh, enthusiasm. Um, you absolutely do. And a point of contention, you absolutely have so much talent. That's a lie. For people that don't know you, they should know that is a lie. You're like filled with talent. <laughs> well, you see all of these people who are like undeniably phenomenal dancers, like with the creation of things like Bolly Jake and whatever, you see all this amazing yeah. talent that has trained and really, you know, I think the generation that's like, I would say it's not, the next generation, but the generation that's like half a generation younger than me had more, just had more opportunity from a dance perspective, just the way that the college dance circuit worked, the more teachers that were around. I think like there was just more that I had access to. And I think I see the way that those kids, like how just naturally amazingly talented they are. And like, I, and again, like I, I do my thing. I'm not saying that I don't, yeah. but I can't do, I can't do the stuff that they, they can. And I don't even, I'm not even saying that I want to. Yeah. If I had a little bit of the the magic that they have in that department, and I have this enthusiasm, there's very little that I feel like could stop me. I still feel unstoppable, so like I'll make up for it somehow. <laughs> but you know, it's even it's it's just it's just knowing that you love what you're doing and continuing to do that as hard as you can. Yeah, you are completely unstoppable. That's very true. What does the future look like for Dunia and and for you? Like, are there going to be little Rohans and Garba circles or? You know, what's ahead for you? What do you what do you see in your in your future? Um, well, from a Dunya perspective, you know, my goal is really for Dunya to grow as much as possible. You know, we have a product that I think is very, very special. And, you know, I wouldn't have left the company and come back and like taken it on from this perspective as a leader if I didn't think that there was something really, really, really impressive about the program and the credit for that goes to the people that started the company especially Gajal Desai who is like the the creator of the program um, and Jeannie Bauman who's kind of kept it alive in DC through the different transitions we've had but it, it's really a testament to how wonderful I think this program is that I came back and took it on in this way so my goal is to really get us out there. Yes, I want people to come take classes 100%. But for me, it's more about how do we find the instructors who are going to be able to pass on this energy and this enthusiasm and this sense of confidence to more people. So yes, I want everyone in the world to take a Dunya class or watch a Dunya class on, on YouTube or whatever. But the first step is getting those instructors in place so that more people have access to it. Um, so that's that's where we are right now. I think from a Rohan perspective, <laughs> um, you know, I hope that I'm Dunyang as long as I can. I hope I'm dancing as long as I can. 
uh, when it comes to the rest of my life, you know, I, I have a wonderful job and career right now that's uh, outside of Zinnia that's that's going well. And I hope that that continues. Um, little Rohans around a circle. I am probably one of those kids that will adopt an older child, but I hope that kid can keep up because I'm still going <laughs> going around that circle and the inner one as fast as I can. <laughs> oh no, you were an inner circler. See, I was always too slow for that. I always had to be outside with all the aunties. <laughs> no, no, no. I, that's the other thing. Like that, but that goes back to the same idea of like, you can be where you want and be as fabulous as you want. It hasn't, it doesn't matter. There's actually something so beautiful and graceful about the way that that outer circle works. Like there's so much more um, fluidity and grace. And if you watch people's hands, the way that they move is very different from the inner circle. I have, I'm just an adrenaline junkie. So the faster I can go, <laughs> the happier I am. But there are totally days when like, if I actually want to feel like actually graceful, I'll go through the slow stuff. That is, is way more interesting to me than just like being a full on speed demon. There's a balance. <laughs> Bless you for being so politically correct and calling the outer circle graceful. <laughs> <laughs> I listen. I I hope that when I'm 75, I am just as graceful as the like babies I saw growing up in Pittsburgh, whose whose sorries I help like held on to and walked behind because they're like it, it's really it really is amazing. And I that's actually uh, sorry, Garba I think is one of those really amazing community building things, which is kind of why my class has a lot more Garba in it than it it than other people's. Um, cause I think there's just something really, there's something really special about the repetitiveness of it and the cyclicalness of it that really gives people the opportunity to, to learn the steps, learn them really well, and then continue to do them over and over again without so, sort of having the pressure of doing something new and different and all of that. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So before we wrap up though, I wanted to play a few like Bollywood-esque kind of games. If we can start out with just talking about some of your, your earliest and your most like favorite dancers, choreographers, influences for you dancing wise? Yeah. So for me, if you've talked to me for more than five minutes, you know that like Madhuri is life. That is like undeniable. Oh, I course. think. Yes. For me as a dancer, watching her in Hamapke Hikon and then more so in Dilto Pagalhe was when I realized that I wanted to be a dancer. It was specifically that, that Jugal Bandi scene where she's in one room and like there's the light on her and she's just in a plain white salakamis with like silver jewelry and it's nothing crazy. And then Shah Khan is in the other room, like playing the bongos. I don't know why he's playing the bongos, but, <laughs> and they're like dance battling, but the, the purity in her, her movement and the purity in her, her countenance and just like the full abandon that she had as a dancer in that moment was and there, there was also just so much sensuality and just so much energy that as one person dancing by herself, there was no way to do anything but watch and like rewind and watch again because it's just that magical. It was a beautiful um, scene. Such a beautiful yeah, scene. That's like, is my favorite. It frustrates me now as an older person to be able to watch it and be like, why don't those Gungru match what her feet are doing? But that's <laughs> it. So as much as I love Bollywood, I can be hella critical about it too. <laughs> I think, you know, when it comes to male dancers, there are a lot of people who I think are great. I think Shahid is great. I think Ritik is an incredible dancer. I, I love Govinda. But for me, it's really Ranbir Singh. Again, it's, it's just an energy thing. He just exudes so much happiness and so much 
positivity in every movement that he does. Even if you watch Malhari from Bajiramastani or Kalibali from Padmavati, there is just such an incredible amount of energy, even when he's the villain. And I'm not saying that anybody needs to be a villain if they don't want to, but the, the way that you're able to just exude energy and help people connect to something deeper, which is, I think, when you watch all of those people dancing around him, that's what's happening. They're just connected. And I, I hope, you know, you see the same thing in Deckard. You see the same thing in all of the Romlila stuff. Like, there's just such an amazing, charismatic shield that just takes over and you just, like, can't help but watch and you can't help but smile. And I don't think you can ask for anything else. There's also um, a lot more oil and shimmer in Dajar than I've ever seen on an Indian hero in Bali. <laughs> His six pack was like glistening in the sun. That's not a, it's not a bad thing to look at. Oh no, it's not. Dajar was awesome. But then the other, the slow one that they do, I don't know if it was Ayat or, or the Anglagade. That, oh, I mean, hello. that is crazy. And like the two of them together is just like, okay, come on. <laughs> Fair. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's it's amazing. It's it's amazing what people can do to manipulate their bodies when they are getting paid enough to. It's really impressive. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think as a dancer, like, yes, I watch these people and I think it's great. But I think I've always been the person who's like, how does this come about? And I think the same is true. Like when I think about Dunya, like I don't need to be on stage. I don't need to be in front of everyone, but I want to be there to help like get a workout right or whatever. So for me, it's about the choreographers and, and I, you know, I love a lot of different choreographers, but for me, the, the beginning and ending of Bollywood at a certain level is the movie merchant. And, you know, she's, she's someone who I think people know because she's been on dance shows and whatever, but the breadth of technical skill that she has as a dancer is really insane she can do something like a crazy kiare and doom and then the next minute she could be doing you know an umrao jan and to be able to do all of that and everything in between so beautifully and with such precision not just the actors who she's training but her background and like the levels that she trains with i think are all just really i mean it's it's just mind-blowing she to me is like everything yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I saw a clip of her. Well, Madhuri had just come back to India and Vebhavi was a judge on like Nutchbelly or one of those Indian dancing shows. And then they performed like this crazy mix of songs, but like Aja and Nutchbelly, which she choreographed as well, together with Madhuri. And it was like jaw dropping in its beauty and grace. Yep, I, I remember that clip. And uh, it's been a second since I watched it. So there's a good chance I'm going to go watch it after we get off. <laughs> No, she, she is amazing in that. And I think, you know, it, it goes to show, though, like how those people are kind of the unsung heroes and they're the ones that make these dancers look phenomenal. And actually, Ajahnashle is a perfect example of like, yes, you have the full Ajahnashle song. That's amazing. But what's actually the most brilliant is that Lela Majnu scene. And there's this one movement where Madhuri is literally just moving her hands and leaning back. And that is like the most amazing thing to watch where she's literally doing nothing but just flipping her hands back and forth. And to be able to have that sort of vision that like, this is going to be amazing. Even if you think about Chahatka um, from Devdas, the way that she choreographed, I hope that I'm still right that she choreographed this, but the way that she choreographed the Dia movement where it's literally just a straight hand moving and one hip movement mm. on the beat, 
that is iconic. That is brilliant choreography. It's, it's, you don't have to do anything but just the tiniest things. And to me, that is dance. And that is like life. Yeah. It's amazing how like just the subtlety, I mean, I think like legendary choreographers wise, like of course, Saroj Khan is like a name that cannot be ever like reckoned with. Like I, Vibha V is like right up there with her for me, like just in terms of what you're saying, like the grace, just the breadth of work, like she's silly and fun in real life too, which is like endlessly amusing to me, but she's also has this immense talent and skill and like kind of like a, a grace and an elegance that she brought into our generation that I, I think it may may be getting lost in some ways, but is also just changing. And I think she brought this like next level, just elegance to our, to our generation of dancing. Yeah. I think she kind of re after Madhuri kind of bounced for a second, you know, there was a lot of like item numbers that were really, I mean, they've always been really crass item numbers, but you know, Bebovi is able to do those in a way that is gorgeous without being overtly, raunchy in a negative way yeah. i don't know if that i mean everybody's version of that is on the spectrum i guess but like i agree with you she's brought uh, a level of sophistication back to choreography that is really exciting yeah definitely so in terms of games though I'm, i won't make you make too difficult of a choice but if you had to wake up tomorrow in like a new avatar and you could be one of these three madhuri ranveer or veba v who would you want to wake up as and why like selfie's choice uh, <laughs> I have to say Renvir. I think, you know, I, of course, like, and I think anybody who knows me is going to be shocked to hear that. Yeah. Because I, think that I want to be my all the time. And <laughs> it's like, I, I do, but I think what I love about Renvir is that he is so malleable and he is so charismatic and the, the risks that he takes and the choices that he makes, I just find very inspiring also, his fashion is everything to me, but he, there's just something so like, you cannot not love him, even if you don't like his acting or whatever, there's, you can't not like fall in love with his kid. It's just impossible. And I think that like the energy that he brings to every situation, I'm acting like I know him, but from <laughs> what I've read or what I've seen, like the energy that he brings to everything that he does is just so undeniable that it makes everyone else around him want to work that much harder or want to be that much better. I think that's what I would want to be in life is, is, that that's amazing yeah he does have this like this energy that is eclectic and it's almost contagious like you're saying <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah um okay really quickly if you had to judge like a so you think you can dance kind of show for bollywood who would your ideal judges be yourself included oh oh this is a great question <laughs> hmm do they have to be they have this bollywood folk it's your dream uh, you can it can be anyone <laughs> You know, I would say, so there are two choreographers in, like, our dance generation. So I'd love to be on it. Gajal, who is co-founder of the Dunya program, she has a certain amount of, like, insane technical knowledge and an ability to break things down as to, like, not just this was good, but this was good why and how. And her ability to explain that is really, really amazing. The next person would be... Kyle Kodakia, who is CEO of ClassPass. She has, um, she created the Saw Dance Company, which is a, in my opinion, the best South Asian performing arts company in the U.S. When I watch her choreograph, and I've been around the Saw girls a lot, and I've watched a lot of their performances, and I've helped with, with certain things, but when I watch Pyle choreograph, and then I watch her choreography, 
the levels that she's able to create within one piece and all of the different moving parts that she has going on at one time is just, it's really mind-blowing and it's very, very special. I would say it would be the three of us. Nice. That's a really good, that's a really good mix. I actually have heard of Pile, but I actually didn't know about this dance company. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do a quick Google and YouTube search after we chat because this is, that sounds amazing. I would, I would love to see that. And then as we wrap up, if you can just shout out like some of your favorite dance songs, it can be, it can be current and all time. You can name both or any, but I, I will just say that I attended one of your choreography classes for that, um, Sweet Tita Drama and like, that is every time I listen to that song now, I like imagine your choreo with it. <laughs> but so that's like one of my all time like Rohan creations, like favorites. But do you have any current favorites and all time dance favorites? All time dance favorites. I will always go back to Janika Kitsme. While I don't love the message of that song, I think it's incredibly choreographed. And the way that Madhuri her abhinaya and her expression is just so insanely on the entire time. It's it, it's just magic to me. So that will always be like, if someone said like, what is the ultimate Bollywood song to like watch? To me, it's that. So that's old school. I think right now, right now Bollywood is in such an interesting place. Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm very over the remakes. Uh, I was just going to ask, as soon as you said that, I was like, I wonder what your take on remakes is. Because, like, there's, like, a global thing happening. You know, people are bringing back Roseanne and, like, these kinds of... There's clearly, like, a global nostalgia movement happening. What What is your take on these remakes? Well, so I think, you know, it's a really good comparison you make to, like, the West and the way that reboots are happening and then Bollywood music. I don't think I have liked a single Bollywood remake except for the Hamma song. And the reason that I like the Hamma song is that's it's actually Ereman who redid the song. So like in the same way when you look at the reboots that are happening, when it's the same cast, the same producers, the same directors who are going in to take something that's already magical and just elevate it for a new time or to like just amplify it based on new technology or whatever. That for me works. But when it comes to taking something old and repurposing it just because it was popular, that doesn't do anything for me. How mad were you that they did Ek Totin then? <laughs> well, I was pissed. <laughs> and, I was, and it's bad because, like, you know, I know that I'm going to have to do it in class. And no. I do do No, I, don't. I do. I, do. <laughs> I have, like, I have made it work in a way that works for me. Like, I've brought in some of the... And usually with Dunya choreography. I don't use choreography from the film. For this one, we did bring in a little bit of the original choreo. We made it all kind of work together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Igdotin pissed me off. The main reason it pissed me off, though, was because Madhuri could still do it and do it <laughs> way better. <laughs> if they were going to do it, and I would have kind of been fine with the song if they had just used her as the artist, then it would have been perfect. But the way it is right now, I think it's just kind of silly. <laughs> I totally agree with you. They, I was really, really, really upset about that one. And another one that really pissed me off was the Punjabi MC song, like the Knight Rider I, classic that they read. I was like, who the hell allowed you to take this old perfect song and just like tweak? And now the younger generation's like, this song's amazing. And I was like, what's wrong with you? And it's so funny because that song itself has gone through so many iterations. It started off super traditional, then it got remixed, and then now it's remixed again. And like, oh no, I, I've always been, I've always been really annoyed by that song because it just became 
the anthem for what the world saw as Indian music because because of Jay Z and like no hate on on that like I appreciate that that the music was actually pretty much like did they add to it yes but do I feel like they bastardized the South Asianness of it no I don't personally. But it did become like this anthem, like you're saying, I, which I understand. And it became like this, like at any white or like American or mainstream party, or like, yeah. you yeah, you would just hear this like Night Rider and it would be like the one like South Asian thing that they had. Right. Yeah. And it was always really amusing, especially in New York. I feel like there's always like the new spot that all of the brown kids are going to hang out at. So like every time you would go there, you know, you would hear that at least like three times, whether it was like, whatever, I'm not going to name the place, but that would just yeah, so besides the remakes, what is a current like dance fave for you? Um, oof. Okay. Um It could be like so, recent years. It doesn't have to be like current, current. Yeah. Well, there is one that's like very recent that just came out. I loved Tarifa that just came out for Vida de Wedding. Yeah. I actually so I I didn't listen to the song at first. I watched the video. And the video is getting a lot of hate from people because they're like Sonam can't dance or whatever. Also, it's a terrible video. <laughs> Right. So I am kind of looking past the actual video and trying to go a little bit deeper into what they're trying to portray. And for me, this was like Bollywood's version of I Love You, Papi. And the opportunity for these women in Bollywood to kind of be there and like not while they are still the object of desire in the situation there are also guys around there who they're objectifying so there was a little bit of a flip or like an attempt at a flip that didn't quite land but i definitely liked the direction that it was going in i do think the song is great to be honest i think it's a lot of fun the other song right now that i'm obsessed with and i still haven't stopped listening to is gumar from badmavet I don't think that will ever get old, and I don't think I'll ever tire of seeing you do the Goomer step. <laughs> like, that is, like, one of those songs that you know we're going to be dancing to in, like, a decade, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the new dollar yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. It's just not. Yeah. Yeah, well, can you just let people know where to find you on social media or also Dunya if they want to find out about classes and, and stay connected? Yep. So Dunya is easy to find. We are dunya.com at Dunya World on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram at Bali underscore hero. But that's the easiest way to find us. All right. Thank you so much, Rohan. I really appreciate you being on Queering Desi. It's such a blast to talk to you and to dance with you and to just know you in life. Oh, thank you. What you're doing with this is really exciting. And I'm so happy that you are making this happen because our world needs it and they need to hear these stories oh thank you the, the world also needs Zinnia so I hope that people go out and take some <laughs> classes after this um, thank, you. thank you for listening to the latest episode of Queering Daisy if you enjoyed this podcast please be sure to rate and subscribe on iTunes to help us spread the word and make sure you get the latest episodes right to your phone every Wednesday If you have any questions, comments, feedback, or know someone who should be featured on Querying Daisy, please drop us an email. Thanks again for listening.